Welcome, everybody, to another financial well-being podcast. My name's David Lloyd. I'm uh, well, the David Lloyd. I, as far as I'm concerned, I am the David Lloyd. I yes. might have to do that every single podcast. I think you should. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. So my name's the David Lloyd. <laughs> uh, I am a writer, an actor, a broadcaster. Uh, work occasionally for a football club. Do quite a lot of different things. And I'm here with my good friend Chris Budd. Chris, tell us about yourself. Good morning. Oh, blimey, where do one start? Uh, I wrote a book called Financial Wellbeing Book, but hopefully people know that when they do this. I also play guitar, had a very good gig on Saturday night, actually, at a wedding. Yeah, we enjoyed it, actually. New singer, I understand. New singer, yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Covers? All covers, yes, party band, yes, available for bar mitzvahs and weddings, all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not here to promote your musical career. We're here to talk about financial well-being. Now, Chris has written, as he just mentioned, the Financial Wellbeing book, but before we come on to that, let's just touch base with the other two people in the room. Over there, we've got our marvellous editor, Graham Wilde. Say hi, Graham. Hello, hello chaps. Ah, very the, good. The BAFTA award-winning. The BAFTA <laughs> award-winning. <laughs> yes. This is going to be the next BAFTA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The BAFTA award Award-winning Graham Wilde, and then over there we have uh, Tomo, who's never won a BAFTA, no. but otherwise is our fantastic producer, who's here just to make sure that we don't wander off at too many tangents and try and stick to the main part of our uh, theme today. What is our theme today, Chris? We are, David, going to talk about the one of the five parts of financial well-being is a clear path to identifiable objectives. And we're going to take the clear path bit of that and just break it down and uh, be fairly practical. Uh, quite a few of our podcasts are and will be thought-provoking, philosophical, get people going away thinking about life. But today might just be a bit more orientated to some practical ideas and suggestions. Before we go on to that, I'd just like to recap, if I may. Uh, now, the book Creating Financial Peace of Mind by Chris Budd is here in my hand. You can actually get hold of that. The best way to get it, I think, is to go to the Penny Braun uh, website that's penny braun penny p double n y b r o h n dot org dot uk all the proceeds from the sale of the book will go to penny braun cancer care so it's a very good cause so hopefully this podcast will not only help lead you toward better financial well-being but will also make some good money for a good cause. Uh, the other entity that I forgot to mention, by the way, <laughs> in the room with us today is Chris's lovely dog, Luna, who's gnawing a bone on the rug Actually, at the she's moment. she's gnawing a deer antler. That's how middle really? class that dog is. <laughs> she's, she's sucking the marrow out of a deer antler. <laughs> so uh, well, apologies to any vegetarians listening, uh, but if you hear any strange noises in the background, that's what that is. Before we move on, let's look back at the uh, last podcast where we asked for a couple of things. Firstly, things that you've spent money on that gave either very long-lasting well-being or indeed, uh, in the case of Chris's canoe, very little financial well-being. Do you just briefly want to remind us about your canoe, Chris? Well, I bought an impulse canoe because I used to do a lot of canoeing as a youngster. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the bottom of that canoe has never seen water other than rain. Uh, <laughs> mainly because our local lake, I found out after having bought the canoe, doesn't allow canoes. So it was a bit of a... <laughs> Very short-sighted of you. <laughs> so apart from that, we also asked for any tips and suggestions you might have about how we can use our money to increase well-being. Uh, like uh, Chris's friend Phil, who suggested that if you want to buy something expensive, wait two weeks before making the purchase. Very good advice. I think that was from Phil. We talked at more length about that in the last podcast. If you want to get in touch with us at any point, at Wellbeing is the Twitter account. But let's see what people said in the last podcast about their relationship with money. At Sixpence Media, she said, my two cats, they are the purchase that has added the most value to my life. 
that's quite a nice uh, tweet there. Um, Paula White, uh, at Paula White underscore UK. She says, my bike continues to bring me new friendships, exercise, travel, exploration, adventure, and well-being. At Jan Bowen Nielsen, a nice thoughtful present to my wife. Jan sounds like a nice guy. Do you think he? his wife follows him on Twitter by any chance? I think so. I think she'll be listening to that and go, well, what was that then? <laughs> I don't remember that. Nice thoughtful present. Was that for... No, we won't go there. Um, Della Hudson. At Hudson Accountant, I think she ran out of characters. She couldn't get the T in at the end. Well, the thing that brought her the most well-being was a pregnancy test kit. <laughs> she says, I'll let you decide if it was my best or worst purchase. I'm still not sure what that means, but it's a cracking tweet. <laughs> it's a great tweet. Well, knowing her children, as I do, I think she'll probably find it was her best purchase. That's the, that's the spin I'm going to put on that one anyway. Uh, Lizzie T, at Gnostic Lizzie. Orlando the Cocker Spaniel, smiley face, she says. He's such a boost for our family, I don't regret any penny spent on him. Well, I get that. You're a dog owner, Chris. I'm a dog owner too. Interestingly, before you got your dog, which I believe you were slightly pressured into by your wife and your children, I can remember you in, in outstanding grumpy Chris mode going, dogs, I don't want a dog in the house. What do you think of your dog now? It just goes to show, David, that even I can be wrong sometimes. <laughs> the actual, the interesting one was that uh, my wife Susie always said that it would make us go for a walk. And I would say, that's ridiculous. If I want to go for a walk, I'll go for a walk. But the truth is, I didn't. And now I do. So she was absolutely right. Yeah, I know. When I got my first dog, I was kind of similarly reticent about the whole notion of it. But I, I discovered bits of Backwell where we live that I never knew existed. Uh, so, yeah, dogs are good things. Not just at the pub and back. Exactly right. Uh, Ian Else, uh, at Ovation. Ian. My colleague. Uh, indeed, your colleague, who we've ha had here in the room on previous podcasts. His thing that brought him the most well-being, his first Glastonbury ticket. Still talk about it five years later. And his worst was the rowing machine I used a dozen times. I think we've all got a similar story. I've got an exercise bike sitting at home, which was my Christmas present to myself. I used it incessantly for the first month. It's now gathering months, dust in my really, yeah, David. Months, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah really. No, seriously, <laughs> it's now gathering dust in my study. It's there. We could put it on eBay with your canoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom Dewey at Tom Dewey Poet. Oh, he's a poet. That sounds very interesting. Uh, my excitement for a booked holiday I've not even been on yet has lasted longer than that for most material things I've owned. So we've talked about this in the past, haven't we, about how experiences sometimes can be, particularly as you get a bit older and you've, you've got more possessions, actually experiences are things that, that we don't always value as highly as we should do. The well-being from experiences comes in memories and lasts a lot longer than buying stuff. Mm. Yep, so that's it. So some great feedback there from our uh, Twitter listeners. So please keep that coming in at Finn Wellbeing. We want to hear more from you, the longest lasting well-being and the shortest well-being that you've ever got from a purchase. If you haven't got Twitter, you can email them in to contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. Just remind us what we're looking at again today then, Chris. We're looking at how to create a clear path. So we need a destination that we're going to cover that in other podcasts. But assuming people have listened to those podcasts or they already have their clarity over there with where they want to be in life, we're going to look at how to create a clear path to get there from a financial perspective. So why is having a clear path so important? 
The question we're really trying to answer here is the question, how much is enough? And is this something that people can do by themselves? Presumably you're going to say, no, you need to get in a really, really good financial I'm a advisor. financial planner. What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, the, the truth is this book was written in order that people can do it by themselves. Would I be able to do it better? Would my firm, would a good financial planner be able to do it better? Well, of course I'm going to say that, yes, we could. But we do want people to be able to produce at least something, something meaningful. Not everybody can afford a financial planner. Not everybody wants a financial planner. So those people should be able to do something by themselves. Yes. Really what it boils down to is a rudimentary spreadsheet. It's a, a forecast. We're going to look through some of the ways that we can build up that forecast um, and end up with a spreadsheet which gives us a, a clear path through the rest of our lives from a financial point of view. Well, I mean, I have to declare an interest here because I have actually gone through this whole process uh, with you and uh, with Ian, who's not here today. One of the reasons I found it so useful was because I'm not I'm not great with numbers. Um, I like to think of myself as being very good creatively. I think sometimes off the cuff. We're with the judge of that. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very kind. <laughs> but when it but when it comes down to to planning and looking at things logically, I, I'm less good. So so um, how would you go about helping somebody like me? Well, we'll talk through some of the basic principles, but there is a spreadsheet that you can download from our website, financialwell-being.co.uk. So people can go and get a basic template, which has got a few numbers already in, gives you the idea of what to do. So if somebody doesn't want to do this completely from scratch, then we are trying to give some help through the website as well. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go back a couple of years when I did this process for you, assuming I've never done it. Um, how do we start? We start, I'm afraid, with a bit of grunt work. Um, you do need to sit down with your bank statement and work out where your money goes. Um, the, what we're trying to get to the bottom of here is subsistence income and disposable income. Now, what do I mean by those two phrases? A subsistence income is the amount of money that you need to live your life. So in your case, it means wine, uh, it, you know, the basic essentials. Um, but it, it's not... I a would like to just point out that, yes, some of my money does go on wine. That's It's not untrue to suggest that. But I don't in any way want listeners to think that that's where all of my money goes. What time did you get to bed last night, David? At four o'clock. Oh, OK. I rest my case. Um we need to spend money on a subsistence life, which means a happy life. So it includes your dog. It includes holidays. It's not just the absolute basics. It also means that, um, but, but it's probably not my canoe, for example, you know. So that we need to work out how much money we need to live the life we want to lead. Anything left over from that is then going to be your disposable income. And that's going to be a really key number that we'll come back to later. Now, there isn't really much alternative to this, but sitting in front of a computer, printing out your statements, sitting on the, at the kitchen table with a cup of tea or a glass of wine and going through these numbers. There are some apps that can help. Um, these are fairly new. On Trees is one. Money Dashboard is another. They will help take out some of the pain from this process by analysing your bank statements for you. Um, and people might want to go and have a look at that if they, if they fancy a bit of a shortcut. What expenditure would you put in your subsistence category? Essential for a happy life for you. Happy life, well, a roof over my head yeah. is, is probably the most fundamental and important thing. Food for my belly, uh, a nice cup of tea. And you're a very good cook, so nice food for exactly. you. Exactly. So yes, I put a lot of value on good food, actually. I enjoy cooking. I get pleasure from it. Uh, 
so that gives me well-being. Uh, wine, yes, I'll admit that I do like the odd glass of wine uh, very occasionally. Uh, so that's something again, but it, I like to buy nice wine. Um, I actually now buy, interestingly, I do drink less wine than I used to, uh, but I like to drink nicer wine than I used to. So I probably still spend the same amount of money. So it's good for my health and, and, and similarly damaging to my wallet. Um, my friends as well. My friends are really important to me. Also my family, you know, my son, you know, my girlfriend. I've got lots of people around me who who are important and I like to spend money on them because that makes me feel good. As you referenced a little earlier, this therefore links with other podcasts and other conversations that we've had about how spending money on friends and family and experiences with those friends and family is a cracking area for well-being. Lots of lots of surveys have, have been have shown that money in itself doesn't bring happiness it's relationships and experiences and if we can actually combine all those together that's a real sweet spot for increasing well-being no it's great and certainly i you know there is you know the it's the old saying it's it's better to give than to receive but in many ways there's truth in that and i i love being able to buy something for somebody if i know that it's something that they genuinely want that they will derive pleasure from that's and a lovely what, feeling what's even better is when it's better to give them to receive and the other person thinks the same way <laughs> <laughs> reciprocation is under, underused in my opinion exactly um, so once we've got that subsistence level of income worked out we're going to end up with a number an amount of money we need to spend for our basic living requirements and then there will be a bit left over and that's our disposable income mm -hmm. now this is really key this disposable income how we spend that disposable income is going to be that that's what we can use to increase well-being and we can either spend it to increase well-being in ways that we've been just been talking about or we can put it away and save it to bring that future a bit closer and that's going to be increasing well-being as well so how we spend that disposable income is absolutely key to this whole process mm. and the other thing just actually just to go back it's just occurred to me is one of the things that it's nice to have a bit of extra money for is sometimes not to spend it and to actually go, do you know what? I don't have to work today. I'm going to have a day off. I'm actually going to do nothing. And I can afford to do nothing today because I've got enough money to be able to do it. And sometimes I long sometimes for a, like a duvet day, a day when I can just stay in bed. In fact, increasingly, most days I long for a duvet day, but I'm so busy at the moment, I never seem to be able to get one. The trials and tribulations of the self-employed there. <laughs> so I've made you go through your bank statements or use one of the apps. I've made you work out where your money is going. I've made you work out what your disposable income is. The next step then... You're a hard taskmaster. <laughs> the next step then for our spreadsheet uh, is to get your assets and liabilities. So we need to work out, uh, get a valuation of a pension fund. You can get a form called the BR19 from the internet and that will help you get a, a state pension forecast, for example. Get all of these numbers together, get your current mortgage, any credit cards, debts there might be. All of these numbers are going to be important for our spreadsheet because then what we're going to do is we're going to put all of these numbers into the spreadsheet, put in the disposable and subsistence income, and project it forward for the rest of your life. We're going to project it forward and see if we can answer this crucial question, when does the money run out? Well, uh, 
when does the money run out? But you say you project forward for the rest of your life. This presupposes that you know how long the rest of your life is going to be. So it's often that's been not said we can predict. It's often been said that tax planning would be a lot easier if you could just tell me when you're going to die. Okay, well, <laughs> the rate I'm going at the moment next week, I think. But, so how, but how do you get around that? Because I, I get the idea that we're looking forward, we're trying to plan for a projected time in advance you know at what point do you go do you know what i've actually got enough in the bank now i don't need to keep squirreling away i'm going to start spending it that is the key question absolutely key question we use an assumption of dying at 100 clearly most people will die before that but we don't want to you know um the money to run out so by building this forecast we make assumptions for the future so you're going to be putting every year for the next year until the age of 100 and including important moments in life so for people that might be a wedding a big cost for a wedding it might be upsizing uh is that a word upsizing to a bigger house <laughs> downsizing is what downsizing, i thought yeah, yeah. yeah downsizing from a bigger house that's a key moment when the pensions kick in all of this needs to be built into the spreadsheet in order that we can say the future that i have envisaged can i afford it mm. holidays for me can i just holidays, say that would be really well, absolutely so how many holidays for a lot of people, travel might be important when they retire, for example. We then press the button and we see at the age of 100 whether there's any money left. And the answer is going to be one of two, yes or no. In my case, it was no. So, um... so you've done your spreadsheet, you've done your forecast, you've said the life I want, you've said the amount of money I need to put away, said the amount of money I'm then going to spend, and there's none left. Mm. We've got a problem. So if it's no, we need to go back to that spreadsheet and make some changes. And it could be a very typical change might be reviewing that subsistence level of income. Somebody might be willing to make a few more sacrifices now to put a bit more aside so that that future that they've envisaged actually is now affordable, for example. I certainly found that a very, very useful, slightly scary, but very useful process when I went through it, because you have certain assumptions and ambitions about how you want your future life to go. But when somebody sits down and, and, and says, well, look, actually, I'm sorry, but, you know, at your current rate of income or whatever, with those plans and ambitions, you know, you're going to have to die in three years time in order to fulfill them. <laughs> Wasn't quite the case. In mine. Uh, but uh, I realised I didn't have as much money for as much time as I wanted. So I had to reassess slightly what my ambitions were. But now the reassessing that you're doing is on the basis of you want that future in 10 years time. Are you willing to put money away for it now? Now, you're slightly more advanced years than, say, somebody with a first mortgage and, and kids who a lot of people, uh, employees, for example, when they get a, a, um, a staff pension scheme offered to them, turn it down because they don't want to have to pay 20 quid a month into a pension fund. Well, if you've done this exercise and you've seen, well, it might mean that you can retire at 63, not 68, that might be quite an incentive to put that 20 quid a month away. Definitely is. I'm 60 now, very nearly 61. Just I didn't want to mention I know, I know, but it's only fair to give listeners the background. <laughs> so, yes, so clearly when I was 20 and my dad said, you know, oh, you might open yourself a post office account and put some money by every week. And I thought, why would I bother with that? And I'm it, trying to get my 15-year-old daughter to put 20 quid a month away for, for driving lessons. That's hard enough. But you don't think, well, I certainly didn't think about those things. And as, as retirement comes more of a reality and gets closer and closer, clearly you do. Finally, we've got our spreadsheet set up. The, the answer is either yes, you can afford it, or no, you can't. Either way, that spreadsheet is probably going to want to be changed a bit to model different scenarios, to look at different things that might happen in life. The first thing that we can change 
is we will have made an assumption on investment growth. Now, the book talks about this in more detail, so I don't want to go to it hugely now. We probably will come back to investment growth in a later podcast. The forecast can change dramatically if you add in 2% growth on your assets, for example. If you make that 3%, the future comes a bit closer. And this can be quite seductive. But if you've got your money sitting in the bank account and you've assumed a 9% return on your assets, clearly that's not going to work. So that's a really important area. Anybody that engages a financial planner, this is something they'll spend quite a bit of time on. There's an entire chapter in the book about whether you should engage a financial planner or do it yourself. And if you do it yourself, what you should look out for. And that's got a lot of pointers about investments. So that's just a flag up for anybody doing this spreadsheet, then the investment growth issue is a really important one. It can be very easy to change that and find that things look a lot better, but is it realistic? So that's one thing we can change, investment growth. The other thing we can change is we can have a play around with this. We can start building in a few things in the future. So when I was writing the book, I asked quite a few different financial planners what questions they get asked by their clients. When they present this spreadsheet and they say, right, that's what your future looks like. How would you like to change your future? The sort of things that people tend to ask are, can I retire early? That's very typical, especially with the state pension being pushed back and back and back. And um, by the time I get there, I don't know how much state pension there will be left. It'll all be paying your nursing home fees, not enough for me. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> so, can I retire early is a big question that people often ask. They also ask, can I give money to my kids and still be okay? That's very common. Yes, a question I ask myself. There you go. Um, if people want to give money to their kids for the deposit, and yet they worry that they might need it when they're 93. You know, so, this spreadsheet, this forecast could answer that question. How can I repay my mortgage early? Is, is another typical one. For younger people particularly, that's very useful to know. And again, if you know that you can repay your mortgage a few years earlier than you thought, it will give you incentive to put a bit more away. How to structure a will, who to give money to, that's a common one as well. Cost of care home fees. Care home fees are very, very expensive. Um, they would probably, shouldn't use the word expensive, should I? They cost a lot of money. Yes, went through that with my parents, with my mum, so uh, well aware of that as a major cost. Yeah. Um, and then there's the question of, well, what are you actually going to do in retirement? Now, in your retirement, you've been working for Bristol City, haven't you? Exactly, yes. <laughs> And when I retire from there, which I'm about to do, I shall carry on doing a lot of cricket stuff, which, as you know, I do with you and youth cricket and things like that. So you get you do the match day announcing on at Bristol City. I do. I've got two more games to go. Is that all? Retire, as we sit here speaking now. Wow, is in fact, by the time off? people listen to this, I may well have finished. Well, so what I wanted to ask you: how much, What have you got out of doing the match day announcing? Oh, a huge amount, huge amount. I get um, the status attached to it because everybody in all Bristol City fans know who I am, and that's kind of quite nice. As somebody that you know has worked as an actor, it's quite nice to get that. There's the thrill as a football fan of standing, as I do, right on the touchline in between the home and away dugouts, hearing all the banter and the exchanges that go on between the managers and the substitutes and the fourth official. I suspect there's a book in that. I think there is a book in that, but it would be heavily censored. <laughs> Names changed to protect the innocent. Uh, but to go back, if I may, you're talking about the questions that clients ask you have asked their financial advisor there's one very important one that you've missed out which is i know one that i asked you which is um do you know where i can buy a second hand canoe 
<laughs> and that can be factored into the spreadsheet, whether you can afford that second-hand canoe. Um, typically, people often talk about travel. We mentioned this, I think, earlier. Travel is a very common thing. When we say, what are you going to do when you retire? Um, my favourite was a client who decided that they wanted to go round Europe for one weekend at a time watching opera. Right. I thought, what a lovely, very focused idea mm. about what they wanted. Um, so that's built into the spreadsheet. Can they afford to do that? And well, they certainly could. I built it. You know, I, I would the, the idea of travelling is just great. I've done a lot of travelling anyway. I would love to spend more time doing the travelling. But then you've got that, that weird dichotomy, which is I need to carry on working long enough to earn enough money so I've got time to travel against the fact that if you carry on too long, you're going to have less time left to travel, you're going to be less fit and less able to do the travelling you want to do. So it's striking that balance and finding that tipping off point, I guess, is the difficult one. And that's where somebody who may be in their 40s and they've got this idea of that's what their retirement will look like, when they see that that's possible, they're more likely to put a bit more away. Well, Chris, that's been absolutely fascinating as ever. We'll be coming back to more subjects that we've raised today and any other things in future podcasts. A reminder that the Financial Wellbeing book is available from the pennybrawn.org.uk website. We should um, say it's uh, other retail outlets also will be stocking, like shops. Uh, shops, <laughs> yes. Shops, is it, Remember on, them? Is, it, is it on Amazon as well? It is, Presumably yeah. it is, yes. Yeah. So you can buy it in lots of different places. All of the proceeds of that go to support the great work that uh, Penny Braun do in cancer care. And if you want to maximise how much Penny Braun make from it, then buying it from their shop will make sure that they get the most from the book. Okay, we want to hear your thoughts, uh, anything you've heard today, anything around financial well-being, at finwellbeing is our Twitter handle, or you can email contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. So many thanks to Chris, also to Tomo, to Graham, to Luna, who's wandered off with her, with her outline. I know she's gone to sleep. Um, and from me, David Lloyd, thank so you very much. So is Tomo and Graham, actually. <laughs> And from myself, David Lloyd, and everybody on the team, thanks very much. We'll catch you again in the next podcast. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.finwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is OvationChris and David is at David underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Money don't get everything, it's true, but what it don't buy, I can't use. <laughs>